Okay, praise the Lord, folks. Uh, good singing tonight. And for our final hymn, uh, <clears throat> let's uh, open up to 332. The reason uh, I want us to stand and sing 332 is because very shortly we'll be celebrating the Lord's resurrection. <laughs> oh, how we love that resurrection Sunday each year. We get to sing about it and preach about it and glory in the resurrection of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. 332, were you there? <laughs> if you saved, you were, because the Bible says you're, you're in Christ. Your sins were on him. And we're going to actually sing the first, the third, and the fourth. The first, the third, and the fourth of 332. Yes. And we'll stand. Let's uh, get that right number. There it is. Were you there 
People, please be seated. Oh, what a blessing. I'm sorry, my dear. We sung two in. We, we sung, yeah, that's right. We sung, we sang two more in, she said. That's, that's good. That's good. Indeed, we did. That's what we need to do is sing, sing them in. Well, what a blessing tonight, folks, to be with you. I tell you, I'm so grateful for our church in Hooksit, New Hampshire. Uh, we make a joyful noise to the Lord, don't we? <laughs> yes. Oh, excuse me. Well, I love this ice water. Mm-mm-mm. Anybody needs one, we have them in the fridge. Let's grab our Bibles tonight at this time, folks. Please open up to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 47 tonight. I have a message that needs to be preached, a timely one indeed, concerning America, concerning the whole world, in fact, because the whole world needs what I'm about to preach. I want to preach a message to you tonight that I've entitled, The River of Revival. The river of revival. Folks, I'm here to tell you tonight that America's only hope is revival. A genuine Holy Ghost revival where folks repent and folks come to Jesus Christ and folks get saved and born again in this nation. We've got to come back to God. And I am so thankful for you tonight, beloved, being in the house of God on a Sunday night where the weather's good, you choose to serve the Lord. You choose to love Jesus Christ. But you're in the minority. We're like the last of the Mohicans, you know, just very few and far between. But I'm grateful tonight for you, faithful ones, that you continue on with the sleeves rolled up and the knees calloused in prayer and the noses buried in those Bibles. Thank you tonight for your faithfulness. But folks, we need revival in this nation. And I'm here to tell you tonight that God has it for us. And it's going to begin in the house of God. Revival's not going to begin down there on Main Street. Revival's going to begin with God's people. Amen? And it'll spread through us to the utmost parts of the nation. But we need that revival like we've never needed it before. This is Laodicea. This is the last days. And oh, how we need to seek God on the behalf of of our uh, president, of our governmental leaders, of our governors, of our senators, congressmen, politicians, uh, even our law enforcement officials are under attack, folks. We need to pray for our leadership in America today and that we will be led in godly paths. But look with me here in Ezekiel chapter 47. We'll stand for the reading of God's holy word tonight in awe and respect of it. I want you to notice here that the prophet Ezekiel is being given incredible vision by the Spirit of God. He is in Babylon with the captive, the, the um, exiles from Jerusalem. And uh, Israel is in bondage to the Babylonians because of their idolatry. And you know what they needed? They needed revival. And Ezekiel comes along and he, he is given a great prophecy. 
of a river that will one day proceed out of the throne of God at Jerusalem on the new Mount Zion, which will uh, rule the world for a thousand years. But here, now you realize, chapters 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47, and 48, all nine chapters deal with the millennial kingdom of Messiah. This is what we're reading about, the millennial kingdom. But I'm not looking at the prophetic aspect of this uh, passage tonight. I want us to see the spiritual aspect for you and I today, the river of revival. Look with me in Ezekiel, chapter 47, verse 1, we read, Afterward, he, the angel, brought me again unto the door of the house. Notice there is a house, a temple of God during the millennium. Uh, and, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without the, unto the outer gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. It's the millennial temple. Hey, Scott, come right in, brother. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward. He measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through. The waters were to the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. Drop down with me to verse 9. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither. For they shall be healed, and everything that live, whither the river cometh. Glory to God. Beloved, I want to speak to you in Ezekiel 47 on the river of revival. Father in heaven, how we thank you tonight for your people coming out on a Sunday evening to hear the word of God and to worship the King of Kings. We thank you, Lord, for the message this morning, the eternally existent Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 1, John beheld his glory. Lord, we thank you that we too one day shall behold you in all of your glory. And Lord, I thank you that we shall be like you. But in the meantime, oh God, you know our heart's desire for America. You know how desperately we need revival here in America. Lord, I'm grateful for that this nation that we all were born in was founded upon the Bible, was founded upon biblical Christianity. The only nation on earth that was, uh, was, was created uh, upon what saith the Lord. We're thankful for that, Lord. What a heritage we have. And yet, Lord, America has fallen away from her first love. America has forgotten her maker, her creator, her savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We need revival tonight. Oh, God, I pray it might begin right here in Hooksett, New Hampshire, and spread through all the state of New Hampshire, and spread through all of New England, and then spread all the way across America from shore to shore, from sea to shining sea. Lord, let it be done in these last days. We pray 
for the river of revival to sweep this nation before it's too late. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated, church. There, there were pictures taken on June the 23rd of last year, 016, at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. You may not know about this, but the hose that you see in the pictures originate in a hole just north of the Dome of the Rock, Alaska. Some believe that this is the beginning of Ezekiel 47 being fulfilled before our eyes. Now let me just say, it's not. It's not because we're not in the millennium. But I will say this, it is a prophetic sign from God. Folks, there's water, I've got pictures of it. There's water coming out of the uh, Temple Mount from, from a hole. They don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> They've set up, the architects, the uh, Jews have set up a hose, stuck it down in that hole and the, the, so that it would drain off of the Temple Mount. And not, and not flood the Alaska, the uh, Dome of the Rock, which they should let it. Uh, but the water's coming out from the top of that mount, okay? They don't know the source. It's from somewhere underground. But God knows. Now listen, the, since the Bible prophesies here of a great river flowing out from under that threshold of the newly built temple, which is yet future, on that site, we know two things for certain about this prophecy. First, the final fulfillment of it will definitely occur in the future. It hasn't happened yet. Second, like other prophecies of Scripture, it contains a spiritual parallel. A spiritual parallel which I want to hone in on tonight. That spiritual parallel is for you and me today, beloved. All of the Bible is for us. You've got, you, you've got to be a premillennial dispensationalist to understand that every verse of Scripture is for you. Otherwise, you just might take a pair of pizzas, scissors and cut up the Bible, which you cannot do. But folks, listen to me. There's a spiritual application here concerning revival. I see four stages in this river of revival. Now, I want, I want to take you through them tonight. First, the first stage is that there was water to the ankles. Look at verse 3. We read, When the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. What's that mean? Listen very carefully. The water was to the ankles, representing my walk. The ankles represent the walk. And if the walk is not right, everything else will fall out of place. Our walk with God must be according to His Word. Amen? Our walk with God must be led by His Spirit. Our walk with God must be dictated by the Word of God. Oh, folks, I'm here to tell you tonight that the word walk is often used in the Scripture for one's conduct of life, our general demeanor and deportment. It's our walk. Listen, it's said that Enoch and Noah walked with God. <laughs> and Enoch was not, for God took him. God liked when he walked with him. They maintained a course of action conformed to God's will and acceptable in his sight. This is what we need to do. If we want the river of revival to spread, we want to have our walk right, number one. Amen? Oh, it's so important. In the Old Testament and the New, we find God 
promising to walk with his people. Amen? His people, on the other hand, we see them desiring the influence of his Holy Spirit within that they may walk in his statutes. Because without him, we can't. Did you hear what I said? God wants to walk with us every day. And God has given us the ability to do that by putting his own spirit within us. (laughs) Without him, we can't do nothing. I see five parts to my walk with God, the waters to my ankles. First, there is the part of repentance. Repentance has to be a part of my walk with God. Why? Because we still sin, don't we? And when we do, we need to make that right with God by repentance. We come to God. I'm so glad he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. If we confess our sins, we don't want to break fellowship with the Lord. Ephesians 5.8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. <laughs> walk as children of light. It's my walk. It has to be one of repentance. Secondly, in my walk with God, it must be a walk with baptism. Baptism is part of my walk with God. What? Is this Church of Christ over here? Nope. <laughs> but we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Romans 6.4 says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. Now let me ask you a question. Can water do that for you? Nope. <laughs> water, can't, water can't crucify you with Christ. It's just water. But there is someone who can. Listen, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism, that spirit baptism, let me just give it to you, into death, that, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Beloved, let me break this to you gently. Water can't do that for you. Water can't give you newness of life. It might take away the filth of the skin, but it can't give you a new heart within. That takes the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ is the beginning point of my walk with God. We all need that. We don't need to shy away from talking about that because the Holy Spirit is the key. Thirdly, in my walk, waters up to the ankles, we need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is a big part of my walk with God. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk... Say, you're going to walk a certain way. Who walk, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See that? We have to walk, after we're baptized by the Spirit to the body of Christ, we have to walk after the Spirit. And Paul put it another way, walk in the Spirit. Amen? So important. So important. In Romans 8, 1. Who walk, not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You are a stranger to this world. You are peculiar weird people. (laughs) Aren't you glad of that? (laughs) They look at you and they say, man, what is wrong with that gal? Always carrying that Bible, always talking about Jesus, always going to that church over there, that big mouth Baptist preacher. Why? I'll tell you why. Because he's being led by the Holy Spirit. He's being led by the Holy Spirit. That's why it's part of my walk, the Holy Spirit. But fourthly, listen carefully. By the way, before I go on to my fourth point of my walk, Galatians 5.16 says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice how Paul gives a great contrast between the flesh, which is sinful, and the Holy Spirit, which is holy. 
We're going to choose one or the other, right? And if we walk in the Spirit, we're not going to choose the things of the flesh. Fourthly, part of my walk is holiness. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh! We don't hear this preached on anymore anywhere. Holiness, sanctification of the believer is part of my walk with God. Listen, Ephesians 4.1, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, that's I beg you, brethren, that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Paul is simply saying, I want you to walk in sanctification. I don't want you to walk as other Gentiles which know not God. I want you to walk in a special way. I want you to walk according to my Holy Spirit. Wow! Listen, uh, Colossians 1, verse 10, don't turn there. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Did you know that you can please God? What? That's right. You can please God. The devil is a liar. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, down around verse 2, Paul says, I would that ye ought to walk to please God. Well, if he said that, that means it's possible to do that, right? And the way you can do that is by walking in the Spirit and being controlled by the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's the key, the Holy Spirit. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Here's how we'll be walking, pleasing the Lord while increasing in the knowledge of God, the Word of God. Amen? It will keep our minds focused on the task ahead. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Aren't you glad? You are the Lord's workmanship. He's working on you. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should what? Walk in them. Waters to the ankles. 2 John. Verse 6, and this is love, that ye walk after his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. This is the commandment, that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Wow, that is such a powerful verse. He says, as you've heard, you should do. Wow. First John chapter 1, verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. Wait a minute, time out, time out, time out, church. Did anybody hear that? You can walk in darkness, child of God. You're saved. You're born again. You're on your way to heaven. But you can walk in darkness. John said so right here. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, that's sin. You know what that is. We lie, L-I-E, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. We maintain our fellowship with the Lord. We don't lose our salvation. But by walking in the light, not the darkness, that's in holiness, not in evil and sin, we maintain our fellowship with Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Fifthly, in my walk with God, waters to the ankles, the local church is part of my walk with God. What? That's right. The local church is part of my walk with God. Philippians 3.17, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Let me ask you a question. Where did the the Philippians see Paul and the other apostles' example? Where? It was in the church. It was in the church. And then in their daily lives, they saw their example. Folks, listen to me. 
the local church is God's program for this dispensation. People who say there is no church, people say you shouldn't go to the church, people say there's no purpose for the church are wrong. Just read your Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk to please God, so ye would abound more and more. 3 John, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Are you walking in truth? <laughs> because God, your Father, has no greater joy in his heart of hearts than to see you walking in truth, according to his word. Wow, that is so good. He joy delights in us walking in truth, Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Where do we assemble ourselves together? Oh yeah, that'd be the local church. <laughs> You can't cut it out of the Bible, folks. Listen, 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. When ye come together in the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, for God had some, set some in the church. First apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, etc. Hebrews 2, 12 says, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee? Messianic prophecy right there. Jesus said, I will be in the midst of my church and I will declare thy glory, Father. Wow. The church is part of God's program. Of all the times that the word church is used in the King James Bible, only four times does scripture refer to the universal church, the bride of Christ, which is real. We know that. We know that's real. That's the universal bride, the body of Christ. But every other time, which occurs dozens and dozens of times, the Bible refers to the local Bible-believing church when it mentions the word church. It's talking about local congregations of true believers who meet together to worship Jesus and learn from his word. Listen, folks, there are over 30 commands in the New Testament alone that you cannot obey unless you are committed to a local church. Did you hear what I just said? 30 commandments from our God in the New Testament that none of us can fulfill unless we're involved in a local New Testament church. I'm not saying you have to be part of this church. You can be part of another church. You find another good church, do it. But what I'm saying is you've got to be part of some church somewhere and serve God through it. 30 commands that can't be obeyed without a local church. There are 58 one another's in the Bible, such as serve one another, Galatians 5.13, accept one another, Romans 15.7, forgive one another, Colossians 3.13, greet one another, Romans 16.16, 16, bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6.2, be devoted to one another, I'm ad-libbing, Romans 12.10, honor one another, Romans 12.10, Teach one another, Romans 15, 14. Submit to one another, Ephesians 5, 21. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. The New Testament church family is all about mutual ministry. All those one another's, they're all speaking of in the church. That we're to do these things, one another. Love one another. Encourage one another. Edify one another. We need the church to do that. 
Listen, folks, a Christian who has no membership in a local church is like a spiritual orphan. Where's their family? You ask me where my family is, I'm going to point to you all. I'm going to point to this church and say, that's my family of God right there. Now, I have physical family. Most of them aren't saved. (laughs) They're not my eternal family. I wish they were, and I pray they will be. But right now, I know that you are. Glory to God. We're a family. Harold Camping was a false prophet. Harold Camping preached that there is no New Testament church. That God is through with the local Bible-believing church. That you're not to join or go to a local church. That's what Harold Camping taught. You know what he was? He was a false prophet. He was a false teacher. Three times, Harold Camping wrote books predicting the date of the rapture. Guess what? Three times he was wrong. He's dead now. I don't know where he is. But I know that he was a false teacher because he was against the church of Jesus Christ. You just listen to some of us. Don't listen to it. You shouldn't. Secondly, tonight, that was the waters to the ankles, our walk. But secondly, notice in verse 4, uh, Ezekiel 30, 47, verse 4. Again, he measured a thousand, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. The waters were to the knees. <laughs> What's this represent? It represents my worship. My worship and prayer. Ooh, the knee, to bow the knee is to perform an act of worship. Amen? We kneel before the Lord our maker. Why? Because he's God. He's God. He deserves awe and respect and reverence. Reverend is his name. Kneeling in prayer was a practice of great antiquity. References are made to it in both the Old and New Testaments. Knees are used symbolically for persons. Job 4.4, Hebrews 12.12, Daniel 6.10. Listen, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, preventing prayer, (laughs) except to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Daniel said, you pass a law that I can't worship my God and pray to my God, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Daniel didn't care if they axed him, man. He's going to heaven. He still prayed to God, amen? Listen, Psalm 95, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Waters to the knees, folks. Waters to the knees. Every word of the Bible is important. Romans 14, 11. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every what? Knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. <laughs> every knee. Every tongue. Ephesians three fourteen. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The knees represent worship and prayer. Ephesians Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, devil. The knee represents a lifestyle of worship. When you say, oh, that guy's got callous knees, that means he's a prayer warrior. That means he likes to worship God, amen? He likes to get alone with God and get a hold of the throne. I've always said that every true Christian should have calluses on their knees. Why? Because of the time we spend in prayer. But I see something else this evening concerning these waters of revival 
Thirdly, look with me in our text at Ezekiel 47. Look at verse number 4. Look what he says in verse 4. And he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again he measured a thousand and brought me through. The waters were to the loins. The waters were to the loins. This represents my witness. The loins. The strength. The girdle. The belt. This represents my witness to others. Now, to witness in the New Testament, the original notion of a witness is exhibited in the special form of one who attests to his belief in the gospel by personal suffering. Hear what I said? A witness was one who attested to their belief in the gospel via personal suffering. This is where we got the word martyr. Martyr one who suffers, okay? One who suffered even unto death. Now, hence it is that the use of the ecclesiastical term Mata has arisen. Unger's Bible Dictionary, if you look at page 1369, you will find the biblical definition of um, martyr, and it has to do with suffering for your belief, okay? Now, we know that's the gospel, and we know that they were burned at the stake, they were hung, they were crucified, they were killed with the sword, beheaded all day long because of their belief in Jesus Christ. Let me make a statement. Jehovah Witnesses are not Jehovah Witnesses. What? <laughs> I said Jehovah Witnesses are not Jehovah Witnesses. You are. You're a true Jehovah Witness. You believe in Jehovah? God the Father? Then you are a Jehovah Witness. Those people who call themselves Jehovah Witnesses, that is not the God of the Bible that they worship. They do not believe he has a son. They believe that Jesus Christ was a created being, not God. That's another God. It's not the God that you are witnesses of. Listen, the word witness comes from the Greek word martorio. Martorio. It means to testify. It's also where we get the English word mata. We're supposed to testify to others of what Jesus Christ has done for us. In Luke 24, verse 48, listen. And ye are, what? Witnesses of these things, Jesus said. Ye are witnesses. You are. Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, uh, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the outermost part of the earth. Beloved, we are not witnesses of what we saw on CNN. We are not witnesses of Harry Krishna. We are not witnesses of this, that, or the other. We are witnesses of one thing, and he's a person named Jesus Christ. See that? You will be witnesses unto me, Jesus said. Now, in Acts 4, verse 33, don't turn there, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. <laughs> Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him. Who? Who did they overcome? The devil. By what? By the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony that you witness. And they love not their lives unto death. You want to overcome the devil? Plead the blood and be a witness for Jesus. And don't love yourself. Love him. To be a witness is to give your life to communicate the gospel. Amen? To be a true witness, give your life to communicating the gospel to others. Doesn't mean you have to quit your secular work. We need to pay the bills. Fourthly, tonight, listen carefully. Go back with me to Ezekiel 47, the river of revival. 
Look with me at verse number 5. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen. Waters to swim in. A river that could not be passed over. Now, notice carefully the wording in verse 5. This river was not stagnant. It was moving. It was rapidly flowing. It said it couldn't be passed over, you know, from one side to the other, because it would sweep you away. (laughs) That is exactly what God wants to do. He wants to sweep you up in his river of revival and get you plugged in to his eternal program. Folks, this represents God's wave. (laughs) Verse 5, waters to swim in. It represents God's wave. When we finally enter waters to swim in, we will have walked with God in the shallow parts, the ankles. We will know for sure that we are in over our heads. (laughs) You know that you're in the deep waters, man. You know that you're walking with God now, and it's glorious. Because there are waters to swim in. Now, if you take a class on surfing, okay? Anybody ever surfed? Nobody surfed and me neither. But if you take a class on surfing, I'm told that you'll be taught everything you need to know about surfing. That's not rocket science. How to choose the right equipment. How to use that equipment properly. How to recognize a surfable wave. And how to catch that wave and how to ride that wave as long as possible. They'll even teach you how to get off of that wave without wiping out. Listen now, but you'll never have a course that teaches how to create a wave. (laughs) Why? Because only God can make a wave. Do you hear what I said? Those servants have to wait for God to send waves, to serve. The same way spiritually. You cannot create a wave. Only God can. You cannot create revival. Only God can. You cannot surf a wave that doesn't exist, but God can send one that does. We are totally dependent upon God for a wave of revival for America, beloved, tonight. Listen, God makes the waves, the surfers just ride them. No surfer ever has tried to create a wave, but they do make the most of them when they occur. (laughs) We got to be like those surfers. We got to be looking for those waves of God that we can jump on and ride all the way to glory. Spiritual surfing is the art of catching the waves that God makes and riding them successfully. I want to be a spiritual surfer. I want a river of revival that I can jump in and go, Hallelujah! I'm going for God. Are you ready for the next wave? Are you ready for the river of revival? Are you ready to get on your spiritual surfboard and ride for Jesus? Because I'm here to tell you tonight that he's ready. He is ready, willing, and able to give us revival in America. The question is, are God's people ready and willing to ride that wave? I believe God wants to turn Hooksit, New Hampshire upside down with revival like we've never seen before. And I believe it'll spread. Beloved, there is a river of revival coming. The question is, will you be swimming in it or just watching from the shore? I don't want to be a bystander. I want to be right in the middle of that wave. I'm surfing for Jesus. Amen. Folks, I believe God has given us a surefire plan for revival. For the river of revival, he's given us waters to the ankles, our walk. He's given us waters to the knees, our worship. He's given us waters to the loins, our witness. He's given us waters to swim in, our wave. 
The question is tonight, are we going to ride that wave? Father in heaven, how we thank you for the river of revival found in Ezekiel chapter 47. Lord, I thank you that as Ezekiel proceeded further out into that water, into that glorious flowing living river, those waters got deeper and deeper and deeper. They got so deep, oh Lord, that his feet were no longer touching the ground. <laughs> he was swimming in the river of revival. Lord, what a picture tonight your Holy Spirit has painted for us. We need to swim and surf for Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that we can because you are God that creates the waves. Lord, I believe there's a great wave coming to America. It's the wave of God. It's the wave of Jesus Christ. And oh Lord, I believe you're saying, come on board. I want everybody to ride this wave and fall in love with Jesus. Lord, we know they won't. But Lord, we thank you that you're going to send that final sweeping wave of revival. And for those who will jump on board, it's going to be a glorious trip. Lord, we're going to surf like we've never surfed spiritually before. And Lord, we know that glory is to follow. Thank you tonight, Lord, for the river of revival. My prayer our prayer tonight is that this river of revival by the Spirit of Christ would flow and expand and grow throughout all of America. That we would be known as a shining nation, a nation upon a hill with the light of Jesus Christ that cannot be hid. That all the world might know who our God is. And it's not Allah. It's not Buddha. It's not Hindu and it's not Krishna. His name is Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for our president tonight. I pray he'd proclaim this nation a Christian nation again. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Beloved, let's grab our hymnals at this time. We'll have a short invitation. Um, and if you need to hit the altar, it will be open because of the fact that we need revival. Maybe you just want to come and pray, Lord, send that wave of revival as only you can. We're going to open up at to 242. How I love him 242 because there's still room. Amen? There's still room for folks to get saved and jump that wave. In 242, we're going to um, uh, him 242... Uh, I think I have the wrong, uh, no, I'm, I think we're good. 242, we're going to sing the first and the last. Oh, praise the Lord. Get our choir going. Yes. Room at the cross, 242, people. The cross upon which Jesus died It's a church in which we can hide it's so free it's a vision for me and deep is its fountain as wide as the sea there's room at the cross for you there's room at the cross for you Yes, there's room at the cross for you on the third. The hand 
tonight in a different way. I just feel led of the Lord to gather around in a prayer circle right now. We want to pray for our nation. Amen.